Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 26 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I'm your host, Luke Halgerson. You know how we do it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get right to it. Folks, I'm going to tell you moving forward from now until October, the first thing I'm going to talk about in every podcast is going to be the NBA playoffs. No matter what, it's going to be what's going on in the NBA playoffs. It's got to be the first thing talked about. It's the biggest thing going on in sports right now. You know, for you hockey fans, sure. But I know they have the playoffs going on right now too, but I'm a basketball fan. Basketball is my favorite sport. You know, I like the way they dribble up and down the court. So basketball is always going to be topic number one moving forward. So anyways, with the playoffs, it's been great so far. A lot of competitive series. You know, some of them have gotten ugly. We'll talk about those first. The ugly ones have obviously been 76ers against the Boston Celtics. 76ers looked lost yesterday. It was an ugly loss to the Celtics. They lost 128 to 101. Joel Embiid still showing that he's one of the best centers in the league. I believe it. I think he's second behind Jokic. But, yeah, he had 34 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. But the rest of the supporting cast, whew, awful. Tobias Harris, 4 for 15 from the field, 13 points. Al Horford, 2 for 3 from the field, he had 4 points. And they're paying both of those guys over $100 million. Both of those guys are getting big checks, and they looked awful. You know, Josh Richardson had 18. Shake Milton had 14. But those guys aren't unbelievable like that. It was a terrible game, and I got to tell you, I talked about coaches last episode. A coach who's on the hot seat right now, and I bet will lose his job, is going to be Brett Brown. I know Ben Simmons is out, but they got to look at this front office and how this team was put together. And I think Brett Brown, he's just kind of underachieved in his time in Philadelphia. Like the peak of the process was losing in the second round of the playoffs on a buzzer beater to the eventual NBA champions. Like, that's been the peak of the process thus far in this Brent Brown, Joel Embiid era. And, you know, that's just not going to get it done. So I think Brett Brown is – he's going to lose his job. I'm going to make the prediction. He's losing his job. There's no way he retains his job as head coach. Celtics look dominant, though. You know how Tatum does it. 33 points, 12 of 20 from the field, five – Had five boards, five assists. Jalen Brown chipped in 20. Kemba Walker chipped in 22. You know, Smart was decent. Ten points. What do you expect from him? Canner was great. He had ten points, nine rebounds off the bench. Um, The Celtics are going to be dangerous. They'd be better if they had Gordon Hayward, but, you know, guys will step up. They're a pretty deep team to begin with. So, uh, Celtics, uh, I would be shocked if the 76ers can get a game. The most it'll go is five. There's no chance it gets to six with how bad the 76ers have played. Like, they're, they're going to kick the can, and they're going to be done, and Brent Brown's out of a job. I'm sorry. You know, but that's the coaching carousel that we live in. If he'd underachieve, it, we see it all the time. Teams might make the playoffs. Coaches make the playoffs and still lose their job. It happens. It's the NBA. If you don't overperform, you're, you're gone. You're gone. So, yeah, that was an ugly one. The The second series that has been, you know, it was a close game yesterday. Raptors beat the Nets 104-99. Again, I think this is going to be a clean sweep by the Raptors, but the Nets kept it close. It just Raptors closed it out at the end, played good defense, and just doing what the Raptors do, just everyone stepping up. Fred Van Vliet, 24 points. Kyle Lowry had 21. Pascal had 19. Powell off the bench had 24. And again, you know, the Nets are just a ragtag team. I guarantee the average NBA fan couldn't even name the starting five. Matter of fact, I don't even think some Nets fans could name some of the people on this team. You know, everyone knows Joe Harris, I guess, if you pay attention, Garrett Temple, Karis LeVert, but I'm not even going to try. Tyler Johnson, I guess, but, you know, he's not known for being a Nets, so it's just, they're just out, man. Raptors are just clearly a better team. Just clearly a better team. 
it's going to be interesting to see who the Nets bring in as a coach. You know, Kenny Atkinson lost his job. Jock Vaughn has stepped in nicely. You know, the, they overachieved in the bubble. They had a winning record, but I don't think he's keeping that head coaching job. They're going to they're gonna find someone else, one of the other big names on the market. But Raptors, they're going to win that series. It's going to be quick. Another series that I thought would be a little more competitive, but as of right now isn't looking too hot, is the Miami Heat against the Indiana Pacers. The Heat uh, played this afternoon on this August 20th of 2020, and uh, they won 109-100. Just another all-around performance from the Heat. They just have a lot of guys who step up and score, similar to how the Raptors do it. They're not world champions, but they got a nice, solid team. You know, Jimmy Butler had 18. Duncan Robinson led the way as he was 7 of 8 from 3. All he made was threes and free throws. He had 24 points. Drogic, he had 20. Crowder had 10. Bam had 7, 5, and 4. Two steals, one block. Tyler Hero off the bench had 15. Iguodala got some run. He had seven points. Kelly Olynyk chipped in seven. Like, they just have a solid all-around team that is going to be dangerous. They're going to be play hard. Eric Spolstra is a championship coach. He knows how to be great in the playoffs. Yeah, he got to play coach the best player in the world. But, you know, he still showed that he could put a team together and construct it and make them play well together to win a championship. Coaching does matter regardless of how much talent you have. But I'm surprised this series isn't closer. I thought the Pacers would be a little more competitive, but maybe the Heat are showing me that they're a great team. And, you know, the Bucks are putting it to the magic right now at the end of this first quarter. But if the Heat keep playing like this, they could definitely battle against the Bucks and give them a run for their money, especially in the bubble, no home court advantage. It, Buck, Heat have a lot of shooters, and they match up well. You know, I like Bam on Lopez. They're just a little smaller. It's just it's going to come down to, you know, Giannis is just too big. But I like the other matchups across the floor for the Heat. So that would be I, that's going to be a good series because I think the Bucks are going to wrap it up against the Magic. Magic did get the game one win, but I don't think that's going to continue. I think they'll be lucky to get another win. But Bucks are going to win that one, and uh, they're going to play the Heat. And I think that's going to be a great series moving forward. So. Uh, that's going to be round two of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Heat versus Bucks. Put it on the table. You know, you can book that prediction right now, coming in with the hot take. Not really, but... And then uh, another game, you know, 1-1 series. Now we move to the 1-1 series. And we'll start with the Jazz Nuggets. Jazz won yesterday, 124-105. You know, Mitchell, being the all-star that he is, had 30 points. Clarkson. 26 off the bench. He just could not miss. He was gunning. The man was gunning. Joe Ingles stepped up nicely, 18 points. Gobert, 19 and 7. Um, Royce O'Neal, you know, 9 points. Moutier got a decent amount of run, but did absolutely nothing with 5 points. So that's going to be a great series. I see that going 7. I got the Nuggets winning it, but I think it's going to go 7. Yeah, it's good. That's... At this point, that's the best uh, first-round series right there. Jazz Nuggets, very competitive. You know, Jokic was good yesterday, 28 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, doing what he does. But Murray struggled. He only had 14 points. Michael Porter Jr., though, looking great. He had 28 points, 10 of 17 from the field. Real nice. Paul Millsap, 5 points. Mm. Torian Craig, a goose egg on him. Just, it's going to be a good series, though. That's going to be the best one. I see that one going seven. That's going to go the distance for sure. Next series, I guess I skipped one 2-0 matchup. The game that most recently happened, um, according to when I'm watching and recording. But the Rockets beat the Thunder 111-98. They take a 2-0 series lead. Just... Rockets look way better, and the Thunder are looking like the team that – I don't want to say that people thought they were at the start because people picked them to not make the playoffs. Right? When you look at their roster, you would think that they would compete for a playoff spot. Not getting the five. I'll tell you that. I didn't think they were going to get the five seed, but they look like a team that could contend for a playoff spot. But, you know, Che Gillis-Alexander, he had 31, 6-2, but Chris Paul, 14-6. and six. 
Dino Gallinari, 17 and 5. Just the Rockets just have so much more firepower than this Thunder team. Even with Westbrook bringing out, I still feel that way. Like Harden only had 21, 5, and 9 today. The rest of the starting five, everyone had double digits. Daniel House Jr., 19. Eric Gordon, 15. P.J. Tucker, 14. Robert Covington had 10. Even Jeff Green off the bench, he had 15. Austin Rivers, he had 11 and a vicious dunk on Chris Paul. It's, they're a deep team, too, and they're only going to get better when Westbrook comes back. So I like them having Westbrook. They're already looking very strong right now. I see the Thunder closing, uh, the Rockets closing this one out. Um, I would imagine, I thought it was going to be close. I thought it was going to be a good series, but I had the Rockets winning in six. And I see that being the case here. I see six games at the most. I don't think it's going to go to seven. And, you know, Thunder just need to win a game now at this point. You know, playoffs should always be must-win. There shouldn't be any feel-out games, but it's must-win from here because they got to win four. They got to win four, and they're not getting that. So Rockets are winning that one. And uh, game, uh, what's the other series we got? <laughs> you know what it is. The best series. We talked about all of them except for the late game tonight. Lakers, Trailblazers. Portland won a big game, won in I guess what you would call a low-scoring game uh, with the kind of numbers that teams have been putting up. But uh, I expect the Lakers to come out with a bang tonight. Like, they shot absolutely terribly in that first game. Just awful. Like, Danny Green was 4-12. Caldwell Pope didn't hit a shot. He had one point, made one free throw. Alex Caruso went one for six. It was... Kuzma, I think, went five of, like, 14 or five. He had a bad game as well. Davis even had a bad game. Eight for 24 from the field, put up some nice points, but on 24 shots, that's not getting it done. You know, LeBron's still doing what he does, triple-double. But, God, it's a big one tonight. I say it's must-win for the Lakers. You don't want to get down 2-0, especially to a team led by Damian Lillard. He's an absolute killer out there. So, I... I expect the Lakers to bounce back. I do expect the Lakers to win the series. I for sure think they're going to win, but it, it, Trailblazers are not going to make it easy. Damian Lillard is seventh best player in the world. C.J. McCollum is a great shooting guard. Melo goes unconscious in the fourth quarter right now. Nurkic can go against the big men of the Lakers. It's a tough matchup. Portland's not your typical eight seed. I firmly believe if they had a full starting rotation that was healthy all year, and with Nurkic and Collins being back, they would be competing for the three seed. Three, four, five. They would be right there with the likes of the Rockets, the Thunder, the Jazz, the Nuggets. They would be right there with those teams had they had a healthy team throughout. Maybe even fighting for the one or two, depending on how well Damian Lillard wanted to play throughout the year. He, I got him second team All-NBA, so maybe with the whole starting roster, they're not your typical eight. They're not your Orlando Magic type eight seed. I can tell you that. So, Lakers, I expect to bounce back. I expect LeBron to go off. Uh, and I assume Davis has to step up after not being great. And some of these role players just need to hit shots. Like, Deion Waiter should be getting time. J.R. Smith, why sign these guys if you're not going to play them? Like, they should be getting time. You know they can make shots. Deion is a scorer. He's looking for his shot. He can hit at a decently efficient rate give jr a chance he can knock down a three he can score better than one point i guarantee that again i expect these lakers players to bounce back and make shots but they've struggled so far in the bubble so it's must win tonight for the lake show must win tonight so uh moving on topic number two do now i think the mlb should go to a postseason bubble. I, I just saw something already, just literally five minutes ago, as I'm recording, I just got an update on my phone that said the Mets had a player test positive for the coronavirus, and that they had to postpone the Mets game tonight. Um, I've already spoken at it before about how the Cardinals tested positive, finally playing games again. I saw them you know, play four games against the Cubs in double headers. 
seven-inning doubleheaders are kind of nice. You know, this is high school style, but I kind of liked it. And, uh, again, the Marlins, they missed a ton of time. You know, the Indians had to send players away. The Reds have had issues with this. Teams have had issues with the coronavirus. But the bubble, the bubble is so great that when you look at it, oh, the NBA has had no positive tests, no positive tests, zero te- positives in the NBA bubble. That's out of like 350 people. They're doing like 370 tests. No one's testing positive. The bubble has shown it can be effective. It's shown it can be effective. And that goes for the NHL, too. I haven't heard of anything about any positive tests in either bubble, Edmonton or Toronto. No one's testing positive in these bubbles because they quarantine, they get it out of their system, and then they return to normal activities. They're not able to go out. They, they're forced to the campus, hotel, wherever they may be. Like the NBA's at Disney. So, yeah, they get to wander around the resort a little bit, maybe go to the golf course, but they're in their own little bubble. That's what, why they're doing this. So there's no chance of it spreading. But the, I got to respect the MLB for not quitting. Rob Manfred didn't go back on his words. He ain't a quitter. They're fighting through this. They're figuring out a way to get it done. He said though some teams might not get to the 60 games, but that's on them. Players got to police themselves and be smart and aware. But I think they should go to a bubble. They can't take any chances if you want to have a postseason, especially an extended one where you have 16 teams, you know, three-game series, first round, then going into the regular playoffs. It's like, this is what you have to do. This is, it, it needs to be done. They have to do it. They have to go into a bubble. It's only 16 teams. You can find a place to go. I have no idea where they can get a bubble like that. I'm sure there's some spring training facility that has enough fields to accommodate this. Like, you just need two. Really, you just need two fields. Create the locker room so that you're separating the teams. And that's all you need. You just need two fields. And then you just got to clean the dugouts before. Got to wipe it all down and do all the due diligence there. But if you're putting yourself in the bubble, you know, it should be fine. It shouldn't be an issue. They should be able to go into a bubble. I just Location would be the thing. But I think they have to. If they want the game to continue and we want to see a full 60-game season, with extended playoffs, you got to have the bubble. Don't start. You don't have to start the bubble till the playoffs. So you don't even need to do the regular season in a bubble. But at this point, if you can't have fans, why not? If there's no, uh, the only people that have fans right now is the Cubs, and that's because they have the rooftops across the street. You know, go Cubs, go. Managing to figure out a way to make money, but that's the only team that really has fans. I guess there's people standing outside the stadium trying to get a glimpse, but that's nothing. You know, they can, they're not buying tickets. They aren't able to see the entire game. So I would say you might as well just go into a bubble. You're not going to have fans. Make sure you get these players locked down, keep them healthy, keep them safe, and you can have the extended playoffs. And one of the, be- one of the best playoff formats ever is baseball. You never know who's going to win, and just adding more teams to that with shorter series to start, it's like the top teams can go down easily. So I'm excited for it. I really hope they do the bubble to – not take any chance. You can't have postseasons delayed. You can't have the postseason delay if you want to be able to start the next season on time. Like, you can't just all of a sudden pause for like a week in the postseason. Like, there aren't any breaks. You should be playing back to back or every other at least. So that I don't think there's any other way to do it. I think they have to go to the bubble format for Major League Baseball. They should. It'd be the smart thing to do. It would ensure that you can complete the series, compete and have teams compete for the World Series properly and not have to worry about the health and safety of them because they'd already be health and safety. You can contain it. You can control it. It's a controlled environment. The NBA showed it's effective. So baseball, I'm pleading, please go to the bubble. Please go to the bubble for the postseason so there's no delays on October. Anyway, topic number three, there has been a plan in place to pay college athletes. That's right, to pay college athletes. Well, not necessarily the school, but a group of senators led by Cory Booker of New Jersey and Richard uh, Boomenthal of Connecticut on Thursday released a plan for reforming college sports with an athlete's bill or rights. 
The legislative plan calls for college athletes to have the ability to earn money for their names, image, and likeness with minimal restrictions and much more. So we kind of already seen this. California passed a bill to do this. Florida, my home state, has also passed a bill to do this. And the Florida one's supposed to come into effect in 2021. And what that bill gives play college athletes the ability to make money off their name and likeness. So they could start a YouTube channel, blog, make money from that. They could sell t-shirts with their name on it, make some money at that. Maybe attend, you know, I don't know, a car dealership to what, whatever little like sponsors thing just based off their name and likeness that they could do if some guy has like a nickname. Like Brian Bosworth could have made money off selling like the boss. Like I guess he could, he could have trademarked that and made money off it if it was used. So I think it's a great bill. It's a way for college athletes to make money because it's, un- it's unfair. There's no other people in life that aren't allowed to work when they're doing something or not allowed to make money, I should say. So we've all, most of us have gone to college, and we know the experience. We go to class and then you know party on the weekends, but you can also have time to get a job if you want. You can go make money if you're able to do that because – you know, we're broke college students. Like, it sucks having no money. So people get part-time work. Well, college athletes, they, they are the only college students who aren't able to make money while they're in college. Like, everyone else can start a blog. Everyone else can do this, do that, make name off their likeness. If some student was popular enough and people wanted his shirt or whatever little thing he was selling that used his name, yeah, or his or her name, they could make money off that. But if an athlete tried to do it, even though people are wearing their jersey, they're not able to. So I think this law needs to come into effect. Uh, The senators also want to ensure for athletes long-term medical coverage and treatment, enforceable medical standards, academic freedom, and revenue-sharing agreements. So why not? Like, I know people who are working college athletics, at least big-time Division I, always talk about, oh, athletes get a stipend. All these football players, they get a stipend. They, they get a certain amount of money to be able to buy a meal, go on a date, whatever they want to do. Yeah, and, oh, they also get scholarship money too. Okay, yeah, but regular students also get, um, they get that as well. Like, stu- they're eligible for scholarships. But a regular student can also go out and make money. A college athlete can't. There's no time for them to go get a job. Like, they got to fa- find a way to make money. So I think they deserve a piece of that cut. Like, these conferences and the NCAA is making big money off college athletes, off amateurs. But that's, that's how they're able to make money is, oh, they're amateurs. They're, they're not technically professionals. And I, I think that's unacceptable. These kids need to be compensated if the schools are making money off them. And this doesn't just apply to football and basketball players. No, this applies to all of them. They should all be able to make some form of money and get something. Like, these conferences are making decent money. We can't just ignore it. Yeah, mid-majors, it might be a little different, but you should at least give these kids the opportunity to go make money via, like, a YouTube channel or be able to... They should just be able to make money off their name and likeness. It, it should. It's just a matter of time. And it is here in Florida, California... I believe another state, Colorado, is doing it as well. I think it's the necessary thing to do. Like, it should happen. The NCAA is in process of changing its rules to permit athletes to earn money off their name, image, and likeness for things like endorsement and appearances. So, yeah, if someone finds you viable and you can make money off an endorsement, yeah, they should be allowed to do that. Why not? Because these kids still have talent. Yeah, they're technically amateurs. Maybe they don't compete at the super highest level of professional sports, but it's competitive, tough, difficult sports. And you know it by, if you are a college athlete or if you watch college athletics, you know it's not weak competition. You know it's not. Like college basketball is not like going down to the old YMCA. Oh, it's not like going playing in the rec league at a park or beer league softball. No, it's drastically different. It's a competitive environment where people are trying to win and people just commit their lives to it. They committed all their youth to trying to be a college athlete. So they have talent. They deserve to be paid for their likeness. And I'm glad the government, the government sucks. The government is awful at everything, but this is one thing that they should allow people to be able to make money. If money's involved, people should be able to do it because the government already does it. 
the government finds ways to make money, so everyone else should be able to find ways to make money. So pay, pay the athletes. Pay these kids. Let them get these checks. Topic number four. The NBA draft lottery is tonight, folks. That's right. Here, August 20th, 2020. The NBA draft lottery is tonight. 8.30 Eastern time on ESPN. Let's just give you a breakdown of who could possibly get that number one pick. So the teams, three teams have the best odds of getting that number one pick. That'd be the Golden State Warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers, and Minnesota Timberwolves. Behind the Timberwolves is the Atlanta Hawks, who have a 12.5% chance. Detroit Pistons are behind them at 10.5%, followed by the New York Knicks at 9%, Chicago Bulls at 7.5%, the Charlotte Hornets at 6%, the Washington Wizards at 4.5%, the nice surprise team of the bubble, the Phoenix Suns, have a 3% chance, the Spurs have a 2% chance, Sacramento Kings have a 1.3% chance. New Orleans Pelicans have a 1.2%. And the Memphis Grizzlies have a 0.5% chance of getting the number one spot. Now, 2020 has probably been one of the most bizarre years to this point. And I don't know if this is going to be a bizarre draft lottery, but it'll only be fitting. Everything else has been absolutely ridiculous to this point in the year. So I would not be shocked if... None of the first five teams got the number one pick. That would be the Golden State Warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers, Minnesota Timberwolves, Atlanta Hawks, Pistons. I wouldn't be shocked. Frankly, I wouldn't be surprised at all if a team, let's say like the Spurs, the Suns, even the Pelicans again. I feel like it's going to be one of those years where like a random team that has a low percentage gets the number one pick. I mean, why Why am I going against 2020? It had. Hasn't given up the insaneness yet. Why Why stop now at the NBA draft lottery? You delayed the season five months. Why, why don't we just keep it going with the amount of absurdness that we've seen this year? Yeah, I just, wouldn't it be insane? I truly believe it's going to happen. I don't see why it would be any different. But it's good. The draft lottery always gives teams a false sense of hope, false sense of excitement. There's only one team Actually, there are a couple teams on here, but with the high percentages, there are a lot of teams that really, with this one pick, are not going to turn their franchise around. Not getting over the 20 wins that they had this year. Like the Golden State Warriors, they're going to have the biggest turnaround, but that's because their players are going to be healthy. Steph Curry is going to be back. Klay Thompson's going to be back. They're going to have Andrew Wiggins alongside them and Draymond Green. You know, that's a solid four. Like those four play. If Andrew Wiggins is your third option, that's the perfect role for him to be that third option within with them. Playing along Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they're only going to get better. So, uh, I see them obviously making the biggest turnaround. I don't know how you could see it any other way, but that's for different reasons, not the draft, but like the Cavs. Like no matter who they guard, they're not turning into a playoff team. I think that applies to the Timberwolves too. They're not turning into a playoff team no matter who they get. I would say the same thing about the Hawks, Pistons, Knicks, Bulls. You know, the East, I guess, is a little different for when we kind of move to this side of, like, the Hornets and Wizards. Like, maybe if they get a high pick with John Wall coming back for the Wizards, playing alongside him and Bradley Beal, like, they could draft a guy who could make a difference if they get a high draft pick. The Hornets, they can fight with Orlando for the eighth spot. You know, Orlando is not that far ahead of them with the young talent that they have. You know, Graham stepped up nicely in his rookie year. You know, they still got Bridges. They just have a couple other guys that are, you know, solid young players that, you know, you can build some little foundation around. But uh, even one of these West teams, I would say if a Western Conference team, besides the Timberwolves, gets like a high draft pick, like the Suns could, they could rated their chances for the playoffs. Spurs, for sure, since they already have DeRozan and Aldridge. Say the same thing about the Kings. They were kind of right there. They were invited to the bubble. It goes double for the Pelicans and the Grizzlies as well. If I would say of the bottom five teams with the worst percentages, like there's a reason they have the worst percentages. Because if they get a top pick, it's going to help their team greatly because they're already that close. But it just shows how deep the West is. Like, it really does. 
really shows how deep it is and how much more competitive it's going to be next year. So before we continue on with the draft lottery, I'm just going to give you some prospects. I'll just give you five. Five prospects that are, I think, going to be the top five. I think it's pretty clear cut who the top five are. And, um, you know, obviously the first most hype guy that we'll talk about, I don't know if he's necessarily the best player in the draft, but LaMelo Ball has obviously got to be the biggest name. His highlights are fun. He played well professionally over there in Lithuania, wherever the hell he went. You know, he's fun to watch. Six seven point guard, can handle the ball, can shoot. He's perfect for this league if he has, if he is faster than I think he is. You know, if he can keep improving his athleticism, he can be a solid guy. But he's obviously the big. He's going to go top five, no matter what. He's going to go top five. Now. I think the best player is between two guys. I think everyone would kind of say that the best player is Anthony Edwards. Uh, I would say he's the best all around. He's shooting guard out of Georgia, 6'4". He was really exciting to watch at Georgia. You know, they weren't a great team, but again, that that happens in college basketball now. You get this, like a Ben Simmons, but he's he's not, he doesn't have Simmons' game. He's a shooter. He's got great athleticism. Uh, I think he, whoever gets the number one, I think, depending on need, he's going to be drafted number one. Or if you need a big, the third guy that I got to mention, James Wiseman out of Memphis, you know, hurt, he was injured, got injured a lot, but his game is really nice. He can post up. He's got great athleticism for a big. He can, he can do what you want your big man to do, and he can also spread the floor a little bit. Left-hander, uh, Highlights are limited in college, but his high school mixtape is very fun to watch. I think he he'll go in the top five for sure. Uh, the net Ob Toppin out of Dayton. I, I think teams are sleeping on him a little bit. I didn't believe it the hype either when I saw Dayton's record last year, and I was like, who, "Who do they have?" And then all of a sudden, I saw his highlights, and I was like, "Oh, there we go." I like, I think he's got it. Six nine power forward. He can shoot. Again, he was a dunker. He was a high flyer in college. So I like his game to translate well to the NBA if he has a consistent jump shot. So I like it. I like him going in the top five. Even if he slips to six, I'm okay with that. And then uh, final guy, I'm going to butcher his last name. So I don't even know if – here we go. Denny Avicia. Probably not even close, but that's the Luke pronunciation here. So uh, – He's got a fun mixtape to watch as well. He's a foreign prospect. Um, 6'9", shooting guard, small forward. He's got great shooting ability, and we always want the next European star. You know, Doncic was the last one. Luka's been unbelievable, so why not take a chance on another guy? He, he His game is not as advanced as Luka's, but he still looks like a fun player to watch. So check out his mixtape uh, on the YouTube. So I would say those are the five guys. Uh, Ball, Edwards, Wiseman, Denny, and Ovi. Moving on, topic number five. Coach K and Calipari speak on March Madness. First of all, what they said is 100% accurate. The NCAA cannot miss another March Madness tournament. It would be disastrous for the NCAA as an organization to miss out on that much money because let me tell you, they make a lot of money. Krzyzewski's comments follow reports that the cancellation of the 2020 NCAA tournament cost the organization more than $375 million. $375 million. That pays for everything that the NCAA does to be able to pay for these arenas, to play in for these massive tournaments, to rent out college football stadiums, to have these bowl games at, and everything like that, just to be able to pay for the NCAA and everything that goes into it, like that's a lot of money they're missing out on. And don't forget the checks that they got to take home themselves. They might say they're not profit, but <laughs> $375 million ain't going to no one, I can tell you that. It ain't going to no one. But what Krzyzewski said, um, we're the thing that the NCAA is most concerned about because men's college basketball and the tournament pays for something like it produces 98% or more of the money for the NCAA. Huh? I wonder how accurate that statement is, but as, as one of the most um, prestigious and notable coaches in college basketball history, Coach K, 
for him to be saying something like that should tell you the ramifications of how serious it is and how much money that college basketball actually makes. And when you really look at it, college basketball and college football athlete uh, coaches, that is, are the highest paid people in the state. Like, as state employees, we do realize that. They, at these schools, at these public schools, they're technically government employees. They're paid by the state. This money comes from the state. So that's where they're getting all this money from. So, yeah, it makes sense to me why you would pay for 98% of the NCAA. We need to have the tournament, Krzyzewski continues. We can't just have it where two years in a row you don't have the NCAA tournament. 100% right. Can't miss it back-to-back years. It's hard to even fathom, but yeah, it had to be canceled. All sports were canceled back in March, right when it was about to start up. They didn't even finish some conference championships. I remember I worked at FGCU. They couldn't finish the women's conference tournament. The A-Sun couldn't get it done. COVID had to cancel it. So they can't, they really can't go another year not having it. Appearing on the same um, ESPN radio show that is a Tuesday edition of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN radio, Kentucky coach John Calipari promoted the idea of college basketball proceeding with a bubble format, saying both the NBA and WNBA showed the path for both regular season games and the NCAA tournament. He said the season could begin with a round-robin bubble version of the Champions Classic, the annual mega event that features Michigan State, Duke, Kentucky, and Kansas. Uh, Calipari is quoted as saying, do we go and play the Championships Classic in a bubble without fans and we play each other? Calipari asked the show. We'll play each other round-robin. We walk away with three games. Do we put in a bubble or a pod Kentucky, Louisville, or Michigan State with these three bye games? Detroit, where my son plays, Murray State, and East Tennessee with us and play a round robin so that we can get the bye games uh, where those teams really need that money. We can do that. Do we do it that way? It's the NCAA tournament, a bubble. So, again, I talked about with the MLB having to go bubble style, maybe – College basketball looks into this. And funny enough, I did get a report just yesterday about this topic of going to a bubble that Orlando, Orlando is an option for them to possibly do this bubble. It's actually one of the things that's on the table is for, (laughs) it's just very funny, Orlando. It's just, everyone loves to just say that, oh, Florida is just terror. Oh, it's an epicenter. All this is happening. Well, the NBA Walt Disney World, I can tell you, if you live here in the greater uh, Orlando area, you know that Disney World is its own bubble in itself. And for the NBA to even, like, shut that down more and create their own version of the bubble, yeah. Like, it can be safe. It can be done even in a state that's as reckless with COVID cases as Florida. But, yeah, Orlando being looked at as a bubble possibility. So, clearly, they're trying to look into it. They just need to find the facilities on where to be able to take care of these kids. But maybe they do it like that. Maybe they do it a shortened tournament-style thing to start the year and then go conference only and then go into the NCAA tournament at bubble locations as well for each, you know, they do north, south, east, west um, style of thing anyways. So why not just combine it for the NCAA tournament and just put those locations in a bubble, you play at a regional area, like two, one or two arenas that are close to each other, and bing, bang, boom, there's your region. That's how you can do it. Why not? And I agree with Calipari. The NBA, WNBA have shown it to work. People don't test positive in this. Once you separate quarantine and stay away from public masses and stay out of the public sphere, yeah, you're not going to get any cases. It makes sense to me. I'm no scientist. I'm not a doctor. But... I, that just sounds, if you stay away and contain yourself from the coronavirus or any virus that is, you're not going to get it. You're not going to have it in your population of people. I really think the NCAA is going to have to look into this for college basketball because fall sports were all canceled. You know, the only one that's trying to go is football. Talked about it last episode. There's only one sport that's currently trying to make it happen in the NCAA. That's a fall sport, and that's college football. 
basketball is technically a winter sport. Uh, they're still trying to figure out a way to get a college basketball season in. And again, I don't think they can miss a college. Ba- the NCAA as an organization cannot miss the college basketball tournament. They make way too much revenue. It makes somewhere of like over a billion dollars every year with the amount of money that they sell via advertisements and how many games there are for March Madness with games constantly all day and then the buildup to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, the Final Four, the National Championship itself. Like It's just a lot of TV time and a lot of money you can sell to these advertisers who will pay top dollar for it. They're making big money, and they can't go another year without it if they're supposedly a nonprofit organization like they lead us to believe. So I feel this is something they have to do. Last week, the NCAA executive told ESPN that officials have discussed an NCAA tournament in a bubble, which could include replacement teams, a modified successful use by the basketball tournament this summer. Yeah, if one team happens to have to bow out, okay, you have a team to step in for them. So maybe they might not go to the typical 68-team format. Maybe they started at 32 or maybe they go with the 68, but have replacement teams ready to step in. They already do anyways. They already do the first four in, first four out. Like it's something where teams are already on the cusp of possibly making it and put, give themselves a debate to be part of the 68. So why not already just have replacement teams? And the basketball tournament is fun to watch. I mean, basketball is just one of the best sports. So it's always going to be good competition if you have former college players or college players or at that, professional players, like the basketball tournament has. So I think this is what they're going to have to go to. Per the NCAA public audit, the group generated more than $867 million off the 2019 NCAA tournament. While Power 5 pro- programs generate most of their revenue from football, the bulk of college basketball's 353 programs are in leagues that don't have access to financial pipeline, which increases the value of the NCAA tournament. And it makes sense when you think about it for college football. Teams that make money are part of the FBS. I've talked about this before, where as college basketball, you have a lot of these mid-major schools, you know, really small conferences. For example, FGCU, the ASUN, that conference doesn't really generate a lot of revenue. Like football is not a big money grab there. You know, football is usually Division Two. They play D1 basketball, but it's... It's just a drastically, it's drastically different power five to mid-majors. Most of the mid-major conferences don't make money like that. It's just not how it works in college athletics. These smaller teams, they, just, they don't make the funds as your Alabamas, your Notre Dames. If you don't know this about college athletics, you're just blind and you're naive. But that's why the NCAA is important. It pays a lot of these schools. So it would make sense why Krzyzewski is saying, yeah, pays for 98% of what the NCAA does, the college basketball tournament. For these schools to be able to function, they need a March Madness tournament. They split up the pool money between the conferences. That's why every conference gets representation in the tournament. No matter who your conference championship is and usually your regular season champion, you're going to get in. You're going to get some recognition. You're going to receive some portion of that paycheck. And then the farther you go, the more money you get. So... I believe it. Uh, When Loyola College dazzled the nation with its 2018 Final Four run, it made $8.5 million for the Missouri Valley Conference. The financial stakes for those leagues during an economic downturn could have significant consequences across the country. Yeah, small school, Loyola, Chicago. You know, they, they were a fun story, and they brought in a big amount of money. I worked at FGCU, Tunk City. They run to the Sweet 16 when they beat Georgetown. I don't know how much they made their conference, but it was definitely the most money that conference has ever seen before. I can guarantee that. Uh, that's why Krzyzewski believes the MCAA must host a tournament in 2021, even if it doesn't start in March. Uh, Krzyzewski said this, I think that's where you should start. Make sure you have the tournament. It doesn't make any difference when it is because we don't even know when the NBA is going to be next season. And we should look at them and see how they navigate the waters going forward. They've navigated them really well with the bubble. Yeah, bubble. Bubble's probably going to be the way to go. And again, these sports don't have to start on time. You know, the 
NBA, they have no idea when they're going to start next season. They're already pushing the draft itself back. They're pushing back free agency. They had it in an idea of, oh, we'll start December 5th. Players Association wasn't feeling that whatsoever. So it's more likely it's going to start in December, maybe even sometime in January, early January. Like, they're still figuring that out. They don't know. Because just six weeks is not enough time for them to get their rest and then all of a sudden have to bounce right. But, yeah, not every team is playing in the NBA right now. We're already in the playoffs. But that's not enough time to acclimate and get ready for another season and then just go right into playing basketball games in December. It's just not enough time. It's a lot of time for the teams not participating, but that's the NBA. The NCAA, I I really think, yeah, they need to have a college basketball tournament if the NCAA wants to continue and moving forward as an organization that represents college athletics because the circumstances could be dire if there's no college basketball tournament for two years in a row. A lot of these schools would go bankrupt. A lot of these schools are already in financial strains and make a lot of money off football and college basketball. They need it to run athletic programs and to keep athletics alive at a lot of these mid-majors. So to go two years without a college basketball tournament, again, would have huge ramifications moving forward for college athletics. So, yeah, I think they need to have a tournament. I'm going to side with two of the greatest coaches to ever do it. Coach K, Coach Calipari, they're speaking facts. Let's hope they have a March Madness tournament this time next year. But they're probably going to have to change the name. Spring Madness, I guess. April Madness. May Madness. However you want to do it. They just have to make it happen. And those are the five topics that we had today. Now for my unpopular opinion. You know, sports. I've already talked about how no sport is boring. You can always find some enjoyment out of sports. But there's something that gets more recognition than I think it deserves. And that would be professional wrestling. In my unpopular opinion with professional wrestling, I don't think networks and like Yahoo Sports or NBC Sports, I don't think they should cover WWE. First of all, it's scripted. It's scripted and it's drama. And it's basically a muscle-bound, steroided-up soap opera. I remember being a kid. I loved WWE. I think all kids, you know, all boys growing up go through it where they enjoy watching professional wrestling, you know. I had my favorites, John Cena, Booker T, Batista, Triple H, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, The Big Show, Kane, The Undertaker, of course, has got to be one of the GOATs, Steve Austin, The Rock. Like, there are a lot of famous guys who came up from the WWE, and it, it still thrives today. It's still a very viable financial thing, you know? McMahon has done a great job with it, but it's not real. No, what the stunts they're doing are real. So, you know, they're still doing flips. Yeah, the punches aren't always real. They're doing things to, like, simulate it, make to make it look real as if they're beating each other with chairs. Like, they're still doing the stunts. So I don't want to take that away and say they're not you know, they're, they're not going out there putting their body on the line. They're definitely, you know, putting a wear and tear on their body because of this. You know, it's not easy, but it, it's not real uh, drama like professional sports are. And why I say that is it's scripted. They know, the writers already know what's going to happen. That's the difference between professional sports and the WWE. The WWE, if you have an inside track, you know who's going to win. You know what they're going to do. Oh, But they go out there, they have fake beef with each other. They talk smack about each other. They get out there, talk on the mic, have their little storylines that go on. And then, and then all of a sudden they're like wrestling and they're enemies with each other. It's just, it's fake. It's fake in that way, so it's not necessarily real. That's why I don't think media organizations and sports organizations should cover wrestling. Yeah, it's a fun thing as far as from a spectator's standpoint, I get. I, I'm not into wrestling anymore. 
like that kind of, that face came and went as I got older because I was like, well, it's not real. You know, the stunts are cool, I guess, but I don't care. Like I watch sports for for like the drama of it, of who like the actual drama, who's going to win. You don't know who's going to win. Anything can happen any given Sunday, any given time on the court. The most spectacular thing could happen. Baseball, most unpredictable postseason in all of sports. It's like all these sports have their own drama thrown into it, whereas. WWE is scripted. It's not. It's not real. It, <laughs> there's nothing about it that's real other than the stunts that they're doing. It's all fake, made up drama. It's a soap opera. If you really sit there and watch it, like with your mind com- comprehended around it, beside all the crazy stunts that they're doing in the ring, like if you actually sit there and watch them and listen to what they say, you're just like, this is utter nonsense. Like this would be like. <laughs> You can go do this with your friends in the backyard playing on the trampoline. Obviously, it's not going to be the same spectacle. And again, I don't want to take anything away from professional, you know, pro wrestlers in quotation marks, you know, ability to be physical specimens and, you know, putting their life uh, body on the line with the stunts that they do. But it's not real, authentic action. You, you can just watch the way they just, you know, interact with each other in the ring. Like, yeah, they're flipping each other on their back, but, like, when they're standing there punching, they, like, step on the ground to make the noise seem louder. Like, it's just, it's fake. And it's just not a real, authentic sport, which is why I don't think it should get national coverage. Again, I, I'm not that big a fan of it anymore. I used to love it growing up, but then I just grew out of it. And I think, like I said, with all sports being exciting, you can draw some excitement from the unpredictability of all of the sports. But with WWE, you know what's going to happen. It's scripted. It's not, it's not real. It's something that's made up. So please, sports organizations, stop giving the WWE notoriety in the aspect of making it seem like it's real. It's, it's something that you can, you know... Talk about if you're ready to just say it's fake and, you know, not give it the aspect of like, oh, my God, what a thrilling win by John Cena or whoever is wrestling. It's like, don't try to hype it up like that. If you want to hype it up on your own time and be like, oh, wrestling is fun to watch. It's enjoyable. But don't go out there and act like it's on the same level as these other athletic competitions that are going on. And that's the end of episode 26 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah, episodes are going to keep coming. I promise. Stay tuned. Um, if you ever want to talk about sports, you know, interact with me on social media. Hit me up. I'm always down to talk sports. And uh, that's all I got for today. But remember, during this coronavirus pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right. I'm out. Peace. Peace.